Thank you, Jared. Hey, before we begin, I just want to encourage you again. You know, 25,000 children today are not living with their father in America. And Coach Tomlin and the Urban Impact Foundation have gathered together to put on this dad's conference because we're finding that among men, especially in this 21st century, we're having a very difficult time navigating how to really take our children and raise them as a, as a godly father. A lot of new issues out there, a lot of things changing in our culture. And we're coming together and we brought some of the best teachers in the city to equip us men. If you're 16 years old, all the way up, I'm encouraging you to come and be part of that great conference that's going to happen in Pittsburgh. But what's wonderful about it is that we're not just doing that conference. We're going to have one next year and then the year after that. And if we do really, really well, we put this model together, we're hoping that we can take it to every NFL city in the United States. Because we must. If I told you the statistics that are happening out there and the problems that are coming to our families today in America, because us dads are having a difficult time navigating, it would blow your mind. So Father's Day will be just around the corner. June 8th is uh, the day that you need to maybe send your dad off to get some training and equipping, and where iron can sharpen iron, and I encourage you to be part of it. We've got somebody right out in the foyer out there. Her name's Alex. Go see her and sign up today, okay? Now, let me just say this. Today we're talking about giants and how we can defeat the, defeat the giants in our lives. And the title of this sermon is called Goliath and the Freshman. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would ask that you would fill me and anoint me with your spirit, that you'd be the speaker, and that you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, and amen and amen. Before I begin to talk about Goliath and David, let me talk to you about Goliath and the freshman for a moment. It's a true story, and uh, it's probably the closest story I have found, modern-day story, that's like David and Goliath. I found it in this book called 70 Years of Miracles. It was, it was uh, written by Richard Harvey, Dr. Richard Harvey. And the story, its story takes place in a major university here in the United States. And at this particular university, there was a chemistry professor, and his name was Dr. Lee. And every year, just before Thanksgiving, he would teach a lecture on prayer. But he would, do, he would do it in such a sarcastic way and disrespectful way that the students who were listening could only react in one or two ways. They would either react by being intimidated and non-responsive, or they would begin to laugh hysterically at his lecture. But at the, at the end of the lecture, always... Dr. Lee would say this. Now, if there's anyone here who still believes in prayer, let me challenge you. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to take this two-quart glass flask, and I'm going to walk out in front of my desk on this concrete floor. I'm going to extend my arm like this, and I'm going to drop this two-quart glass flask on this concrete floor, and I'm going to ask that you pray that it won't break. And Dr. Lee did that for 12 years in that university. True story, documented story. And for 12 years at that university, no one else, no one ever took him, took him on. No one ever stepped up to the challenge. That'd be a tough challenge to take on. Finally, there was a freshman. 
He came to the university, he heard about Dr. Lee's challenge. And after much prayer, he decided, he believed that God was calling him out to take on that challenge. He believed that God had given him a promise. And that promise is this, where there's two or three gathered in my name, ask anything according to my will, and it shall be given unto him. So he began to look for somebody who believed in prayer on that campus, and he found a brother. He went to that brother and he said, listen, I'm going to ask that you pray two things with me. One is that that glass flask would not break, and number two, that I'll have the courage to stand up. And they prayed for months. Finally, it came to that day when Dr. Lee was going to give his famous lecture on prayer. After he had done what he had always done for 12 years, he took the two-quart glass flask in his hand. He said, now, does anybody still believe in prayer? Just in case you do, I'm going to challenge you. He said, I'm going to take this two-quart glass flask, hold it out in front of me on this concrete floor, and I'm going to drop it, and I'm going to ask that you stand up and you pray that this glass will not break. And in that auditorium of 300 students, the freshman stood up. He stepped out into the aisle, and he said, Dr. Lee, I'll take that challenge. I'll pray. In Dr. Harvey's book, he said that Dr. Lee was absolutely stunned because in 12 years, he's made that challenge and nobody had ever challenged him before. He said in the book that he began to just pace back and forth in front of the class. Just pacing back and forth. And then he started saying this word. Interesting. 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 And then finally he wheeled around and he looked at the, the freshman and he said, Listen, I'm not really sure you understand what I'm saying here. So that there's no confusion, let me go over it one more time. I'm going to take this two-quart glass flask in my hand. And I'm going to drop it on this concrete floor. And it doesn't matter who prays, how long you pray, or how often you pray, or what you pray, or who you pray to. This two-quart glass flask is going to break into a hundred thousand pieces. Freshmen, do you really want to pray? And the freshman looked at him and said, yes, sir, I want to pray. And then he got really sarcastic. And he looked at the crowd of people and he said, okay, everybody, let's get really reverend right now. Get really reverend and bow your heads while this man prays. So everyone bowed their head, except the freshman. The freshman looked to heaven and opened his eyes. And Dr. Harvey said, he prayed this prayer. Father, your servant stands before you and I ask that you would not allow that glass flask to break. For your glory and your honor, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Lee said, that's it? He said, yeah, that's it. He took the two-quart glass flask. He extended it out from his body and he dropped it. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, <laughs> verse 4. I will come back. In your Bibles, we're going to look at the original story of David and Goliath. And here we read one, one of the most famous battles, not only in the Bible, but also in all of history. Many of us know the story, but the story in the scriptures tells us that Israel was on one side of a mountain or hill, 
and the Philistines were on the other, and they drew lines, battle lines. And the idea was that they were going to run down these two sides of the hill, hillsides, and they were going to meet in the valley, the valley of Elah. And there they would do battle. Now, before the battle began, it was amazing that the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, he stepped out of the ranks and he said, listen, Israel, could you see it? They're on two sides of a hill. He's yelling over to them. Send out your champion and the two of us will go to battle and whoever wins, the others will become slaves to the winner. The losers become slaves to the winner. The first day, nobody shows up. 10 days, 30 days, 40 days, no one steps out from Israel's ranks. Why? Look at verse 17 with me, would you please? I mean, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 4, it says this. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Scholars believe that he was nine feet. 0.9 inches tall, three inches shy of a basketball hoop. Now, could you imagine what the NBA teams would do to fight to get this guy? It would be beyond our imaginations what they would do. He's nine foot, nine inches tall. But check out his equipment, everybody. Look what he's going to go to battle in. Verse 5, it says, And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed and scaled of armor that weighed 5,000 shekels. You know what that? That's 200 pounds plus. It's like me jumping on your back, and you going to battle with me on your back. This guy is massive. And then it goes on, in verse 6, it goes on and says this. It says, On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. Verse 7, His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And its rod, its iron point, weighed 600 shekels. That's 22 pounds. Some of you guys have thrown around, you know, 6, 8, 10 pound sledgehammers. This is a 22 pounder. The point is, this guy is absolutely massive. And he's coming out every day and he's saying, send your champion out and we're going to do battle. And the rest of you boys, whoever wins or loses, the rest of you guys, you're going to have to be slaves to the winner. So how does Israel respond? Israel responds in verse 11. It says, they were dismayed and they were terrified. Verse 24 says, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Check those words out. Great fear. For 40 days, the entire army of Israel refuses to face Goliath. They refuse. And does he go away? Hear me. Does he go away? No. Finally, when David shows up on the scene, Goliath had challenged them 80 times. It says, morning and night he came out for 40 days. And for 40 days, the army of Israel went to bed in fear. Have you ever gone to bed in fear? Have you ever waked and quaked in front of somebody and you weren't willing to take it on? And they just keep on coming and they don't go away? And he didn't go away. And Saul's, here's Saul's plan. This is what he's going to do. He believes if we delay long enough, the giant will just go away. But he didn't. Matter of fact, the longer they delayed, the stronger Goliath became. 
and the more intimidating or more intimidated the army of Israel became. Now let's see what, how, how David responded. In verse 26, Saul and the army of Israel, now David. In verse 26 it says this, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David shows up, surveys the situation, and he hears this Goliath trash-talking against, his, against God, and he says, I've had enough. That giant's got to go. And in one day, he's gone. David didn't delay, but he decided quickly to face the giant, and the giant was gone within a day. Now hear me. Saul and the army of Israel... They delayed, the giant got stronger, they got more intimidated. David quickly decided to face the giant, and the giant was gone within a day. The point is this, everybody. We must face our giants, because if we do not face them, they don't go away, and it doesn't get easier. It just gets harder and harder and harder. Now let me share this with you. Saul and the army of Israel, their greatest giant or challenge was not Goliath. It was fear. It was fear that kept them from doing what they knew was right. It was fear. David, on the other hand, He fought his fear. He stepped out into the valley in faith. God gave him courage. He did what was right, and the giant came down. Hear me. Courage is not the absence of fear. Hear me. It's fighting your fear and stepping out and doing what you know is right. That's called courage. I love what John Wayne said about courage once. He said, it's being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. And that's what David did. Hear me. Remember this. Your life will shrink or expand on proportion of your courage. Your life will shrink or expand in proportion to your courage. Saul, he shrunk because he wouldn't overcome his fear. David, on the other hand, he expanded. Once he took down the giant, he ended up what? The king of Israel. Now, for a moment, let's stop and let's talk about what do we mean by giants this morning? I mean, we're not facing a nine-foot, nine-inch giant, most likely. But what are giants in our lives today? Quickly, a giant is any person or thing that stands in the way of you fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Let me say it this way. A giant is something that stands in your way. It's something that keeps you from living the life that God has called you to live. It could be a relationship. It could be fear. It could be some destructive lifestyle caused by alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, eating disorders. Lots of things out there that are destructive and those things stand in your way from really breaking through in your life. It could be an attitude. An attitude saying, oh, poor me, pity me, or I don't get enough. It could be a 
a financial huge giant standing in your way. It could be a temptation, a circumstance, a situation. I don't know, but you today, you've got to name your giant. And some of you, you have more than just one giant. You have a number of them. Matter of fact, this last service, many people in that service had many giants in their lives. And over 30 plus of them came forward and they, they, they laid those giants down. But let me say this to us. I want you for a moment to bow your heads, close your eyes, and you talk to God about it. You ask him, what is it in my life? Name it, my friend. Name it, admit it, take responsibility for it. If you've got to, write it down. I'm encouraging you to pick up a pen, write it down on a piece of paper, because if you don't know what you're up against, you're going to lose. So what is that giant? Is it pornography? Is it gossip? Is it anger? Is it an unforgiving spirit? What is it that keeps you from breaking loose and going forward with God? Is it your father that neglected you? Maybe you didn't have a father. Is that the issue? Maybe your mother never really paid attention to you. Maybe you were always the black sheep of the family. I don't know what it is. Name it. Write it down. As you're praying, the Lord has given you more than just one. It might be two. It might be three. Stop and look right here. There's one or two of you in this room, you, your mind went totally blank. That is not of God. You hear me? That is not of God. You need to go back to prayer again. We're all going to pray again. And you need to ask God. Don't worry about who's sitting with you. You need to talk to him. He's right in this room, everybody. Either Jesus Christ walked out of the grave, or we ought to all go home. He's in this room. And he hears your prayers. And he wants to set you free. Close your eyes now. And you talk to him. Now, whatever that is that he's been talking about, whatever you identified, that's your giant or giants. Now let's go to David, and let's learn how we can take that giant down together. You ready? Here we go. The first thing David believed, and that we must believe, is that David believed that God was greater than the giant. He believed that God was greater than the giant. Look at verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Saul and the soldiers of Israel compared themselves to Goliath and came to the conclusion that they were no match for him. David, on the other hand, saw Goliath but also saw God 
and came to the conclusion that he was no match for Goliath, but Goliath was no match for God. See, all that Saul and the army of Israel could see was Goliath standing there. But David was able to see Goliath, but see behind him, and David saw his gigantic God towering over this midget. And he realized that God was much greater, more powerful, and it it gave him confidence and courage to believe that God could take him down. Understand? You must hear me. You cannot focus on that giant. You can glance at him, but you've got to gaze at who God is. He is an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, all-deliverer. He is the He is the faithful promiser. He is the one who created those things. He created Goliath, my friend, and he can take him down. And David saw the reality of God, and he said this is no problem for him. Listen, Goliath seemed about that big in comparison to how awesome, powerful, and big his God was and is. And that's the same true for you and me. That's why it's so important that we as the people of God know who God is. How do you know who he is? You've got to be in the word of God. Hear me. People who stand and tell stories all the time, that's great. But if they do not get you into the word of God or you do not get your kids into the word of God or yourself, you're not going to grow. You've got to... Here's here's the purpose of us as people of God. We need to know God and to make him known. Say that with me. To know God and to make him known. That's it. When you know him, he's the one who sets you free. You don't know him and you just keep looking at your giants and you think that they're giants when they're really just midgets. Take that home, my friend. That works. Number two is David remembered God's faithfulness in the past. David remembered God's faithfulness to him in the past. Look at verses 32 and 37. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Listen, David's past victories gave him confidence in his present situation. He had already experienced God when God delivered him from the bear and from the lion. And just as God was faithful then, he believed that God was going to be faithful with him right now. And when he was going to take out Goliath, he knew Goliath was no match for his God. Amen? Amen. You remember that. You remember what God has done in the past so that you can, you can have confidence to face the present situation that you find yourself in. Number three, David depended on the resources of God. 
verses 38 and 39. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. David didn't depend upon the armor of Saul. Why? The armor of Saul, nothing wrong with the armor. Problem was, Saul was a 48 long and David was a 38 short, man. It just wasn't going to work. So he's walking around, he's saying to himself, this isn't going to work. He takes it off. But Saul wanted him to keep it on because he wanted him to think that his strength came from his armor. And David said, no way, my strength comes from God and God alone. Hear me, my friend, you've got to come to that place that you understand that the only resource that you have will take that giant down isn't a pill, isn't nothing wrong with taking medicine, nothing wrong with going seeing counselors, nothing wrong with seeing those things. But my friend, all they can do is just band-aid the situation. My friend, if you're going to be delivered, it is God who will deliver you. God will deliver you. You talk to my son who's 16 years old. The doctors, I love them. I believe in medicine. I'm not saying anything about that. I believe I got a lot of friends. And they're good and they're smart and God has gifted them. But when man finally comes to the end of himself and there's no other way, then there's God's way. And he healed my son and delivered him and he can deliver you. God... His resources. You look to him, you've done good, my friend. Before, number four, David was convinced that if he stayed persistent, he would see victory. Hear me on that one. Hear me. David was convinced that if he stayed persistent, he would see the victory. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small, smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You know, the scholars believe that he picked five stones because they believe that Goliath had four brothers. Now, I don't know if that's true. Who knows? But I'll tell you what is true. David believed that possibly this battle might be long, but his victory was certain. He believed that maybe he'd take five Stones to knock that big giant down. Or he was going to take five stones and take out his whole family. We'll never know. But one thing was for certain with David, he knew that the victory was his before he stepped on the line. When Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, my friend, listen to me. When he's resurrected from the dead, you and I do not fight the battles of life so that we can win. We have already won because Christ has already won the war. Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of the Father, and it's done. We are born again of the Spirit of God, and the whole deal is now that we've got to walk in this life and fight the battles so that we become more and more like Jesus. You're already saved, my friend, if you believed in Christ. You're already permanently with Him. But now you've got to go through the battles, and sometimes you lose some battles along the way. But you've got to understand that you do not fight every day from a place of weakness. You fight from strength because Christ has already ended it. He sealed the deal. He walked out of the grave. You and I are forgiven. And he's given us the power over life, over death. And that power dwells within you by his spirit. 
And if you will take on his spirit and walk in that spirit, he will deliver you from those giants of your life. But you've got to keep throwing those stones, my friend. You've got to keep being persistent. You've got to be obedient. And you've got to keep walking with him. Amen? That's what you've got to do. Keep throwing those stones. Throw them. David knew that he could throw those stones only if he kept the first three together. Hear me. David believed that God was greater than the giant. David remembered that God was faithful to him in the past. And David depended on the resources of God, not anyone else or anybody else. And it's because he was dependent upon God... That's why he knew when he went to that line that the victory was his and all he had to do is be persistent and he was going to win. Now let's go back to the modern day Goliath story. Goliath and the freshman. Dr. Lee takes the glass flask. He holds it out in front of himself on that concrete floor And he drops it. (laughs) As a Philistine moved closer to attack him, (laughs) David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Dr. Lee took that glass flask, he took it out in front of him, and he dropped it. And Dr. Harvey says in his book, and it's been documented, there was no windows or doors in that auditorium. There was no wind blowing through the auditorium. But when he dropped that glass flask, It didn't go straight down. It turned in towards Dr. Lee. It hit him on the tip of his toe, and it went across on that concrete floor, bounced up against the wall, and did not break. Sat right there and spun around on the wall. All the kids, the 300 kids, they're leaning up over their chairs to see what happens. They see there it is. It's all intact. And one person starts clapping, and then 10 And then hundreds. And next thing you know, they're standing to their feet. They're screaming and yelling. They rush down. They pick up that freshman up on his shoulders. They're screaming and yelling. And they run him out of the building. (laughs) Everybody's screaming and yelling and hollering. And this is what Dr. Lee says, Dr. Harvey says in his book. He said, from that day on, never again did Dr. Lee ever teach his lecture on prayer again. Hear these words. Praise God. Hear these words. Verse 51 says this. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Listen to me. As Brad comes and he leads us in this song, in this very holy moment, my friend, Don't anybody move around except the band. Just look right here. You've written down a giant. You've named him or a couple of them. And I believe that if you walk out this door today 
that giant isn't going to go away. He's, that giant is going to get stronger and stronger. This is what John Harvey, Dr. Harvey's son, said about his dad. He said, on that day, his father went up into his dorm room. And he was a chemistry major. And he'd heard that story four times. And he stood and then kneeled before the Lord and said, God, forgive me for not having the courage to stand up against Dr. Lee. And he asked him to forgive him. And then he said this. He said, oh, Lord Jesus, please give me the courage in the faith like the freshman. Please, God, give it to me. You know you can have that? But I'll tell you how it works. The freshman had to find a brother or sister to pray with them. Because some giants just don't go down with you praying. Sometimes it says where two or three are gathered. And another thing, that he was willing to step out of the crowd, out into the aisle, and become totally dependent upon God. You know, in the 30 years of ministry that I've been doing, when I find people really breaking through is when they forget who's around and they go public. That's why Jesus, when he called all of his disciples, he called them out public. And there's something about coming up and saying, man, I am no longer, no more secrets, no more pretending, no way that I'm going to give the devil any sticks anymore to beat me up in my secrets in my life. I'm going to come out, I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to be right with God. And in that moment, you can be set free. So I'm going to encourage you in this moment that you're here today. I am going to stand down there and I'm going to ask my brothers in ministry to come and stand here. Jamie, you as well. Anybody that's here that's in ministry would like you to come and stand out front here. And I'm going to say this to you. That I'm going to ask you to come and you come to thy brother. And you come, Robbie, thank you. Come and you come to these people and myself. And whatever you wrote down or you want to write it down, you come and you lay that in our hands. And I will guarantee you what I'm going to do. You come to me and you put that in my hand and I will pray for you for two weeks. I, I tell you the truth. I will pray for you and whatever you put in my hand. And the only one that's going to know what was put in my hand is you, me, and God. So whatever you put in my hand, my friend, or whatever you put in our hands, we will pray for you. So you go and you do what God is asking you to do, whatever you want to do. Whether you want to turn to your loved one or to your friend and do it that way, doesn't matter. But the point is that you get honest, you get real, and you watch what God can do for you. My brother, you lead us.